Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Running Light Podcast, what we call the Better Pleasure Podcast. I am your host, Bo Willette, and I'm here with my co-host, Peter Martin. Yes. And we have been on a roll when it comes to the names of our podcasts lately. <laughs> so the last one was Epic, The Phallic or Death. <laughs> and so, and that was episode number 127 of these podcasts, if you can believe it. So this is going to be 128, and we are going to do it on virtual molestation. And we are going to take it from an article, real article, about Meta, which yeah, is... Yeah, no, it sounds like, sounds like a Babylon B article. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it is not. It is, is very real. real deal. <laughs> and as most of you guys all know, Facebook is now Meta. That's right. And so they are moving into a vastly amazing digital world. Yeah. And where you can have your own avatar and you can kind of hang out with other people and do different things and stuff like that. And so it's really cool because we can really now almost be like we are in a matrix and where we can just kind of maybe sit in a big sack of water and <laughs> just get a big old thing stuck in our <laughs> neck. <laughs> That's what we would want. It is funny, like with all this stuff coming out, I watched The Matrix when I was a kid for the first time. I think it came out when I was like nine and I watched it just a couple of years after that. And I didn't really get the nuances of it, you know, but there's a character in the matrix named cypher who ends up turning on his cohorts you know and so they're all trying to free people from the matrix and shut it down and he ends up turning on them in an attempt to get put back into the matrix so he has been freed and he wants to go back and he makes the argument that the matrix is more real than the real world uh because of how real it makes it out to be makes itself out to be and he chooses that over over the real world and it's really interesting because when you it, when you watch the matrix the real world is in total disrepair it's like everything is terrible you know like they have no sunlight you know it's just been ravaged by wars for, with the machines and all that and I, I think it was meant to be now watching it again as an adult you know i feel like it was meant to be an allegory of where people become so addicted to the virtual world that they stop maintaining the real one that they would choose the virtual over the real because of how easy it is and because of how moldable it is to what we want it to be. Yeah. So with that said, as a nice little intro, <laughs> let's roll into the article and then we'll start talking about some stuff. We hope to really emphasize to the parents out there, if there is any parents that listen to such a crazy podcast as this one, but we would love for parents to be able to understand a little bit of more about uh, what their... Uh, students are growing up in and around and maybe how their students differ in uh, their view of reality than and, maybe and human parents. interaction you yeah. know like I, I think that a lot of uh, older people don't understand this but the predominant form of interaction that most student age people are going to have is going to be online it's not going to be face to face yeah um that's that's just not how the majority of their interactions are going to happen you know they go to school they hang out with their friends a little bit but the majority of what they're doing is going to be in an online space even when they're at school you know they're on instagram they're on tiktok they're on facebook they're on uh you know all these different social media platforms interacting with people 
and they're spending very little of their time interacting with people face to face, like actual interaction. So, uh, it's interesting. So, so what happens in in Meta? So Meta is not out yet, as of the recording of this podcast. <laughs> It's not out yet, but they have a beta out. And what Meta is, is it's actually a totally immersive thing. So you have a virtual reality headset that you wear and you go into the metaverse and you can like talk to your friends. You can go hang out with your friends and communicate with them and things like that. That's what Bo meant when he said it's like the matrix, you know, or it's like, what if I didn't have to leave my house in order to hang out with my friends? We could all just kind of plug in and then hang out in some sort of a neutral space. Now, in the metaverse, they have this beta model out, meaning it's a testing model where people can go and see how it works and functions and work out all the bugs before it goes out to the public. And one of the metaverse users claims that she was sexually groped and harassed in the metaverse. And this is how she takes it. This is, this is her response. Again, this is not a joke. This is very real. This is what she said about her experience. Sexual harassment is no joke on the regular internet, but being in VR or virtual reality adds another layer that makes the event more intense, she wrote. Not only was I groped last night, but there were other people there who supported this behavior, which made me feel isolated in the plaza. Now, later on, someone commenting on this event, and again, listen very closely to what they say, because it's it's fascinating. Okay, so this is someone, I think this is like a, an actual psychologist, but they say this. At the end of the day, the nature of virtual reality spaces is such that it is designed to trick the user into thinking that they are physically in a certain space, that their very, every bodily action is occurring in a 3D environment, she says to MIT Technology Review. It's part of the reason why emotional reactions can be stronger in that space and why VR triggers the same internal nervous system and psychological responses. So her argument is that actually being raped or groped or molested virtually could be worse than having that happen to you physically, which is radical, right? That's a, that's a very radical statement to be making. And again, this is not satire, right? It sounds like so, it's a joke, like they're, they're making a joke. This is not satire. This is meant to be taken... <laughs> Very serious. Now, is it is it the person who felt like they were being groped? Did she think it was worse, or did the commentator on what happened to her? This is the commentator. This is not her. Okay. So, so she's describing it as just being bad. Uh, I mean, she describes it as being groped. She says, right. not only was I groped last night. You yeah. Know? So she's, she's making it seem like it's on par yeah. with it. Yeah. Right, and then the commentator comes in and s says, "Yo, yeah, this 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 is so hard not to laugh because it's so ridiculous." But here's another account of virtual molestation <laughs> recorded for us in this article, and again, it's just it's meant to be taken seriously, but I just can't take it seriously. Uh, this is someone talking about playing a game where they're fighting zombies and demons. So obviously this is a hugely traumatic event. So she said in between a wave of zombies and demons to shoot down, I was hanging out next to big bro four, four twos. That's like the username right. of her, uh, sexual assaulter, I guess, uh, waiting for our next attack. Suddenly big bro four, four twos disembodied helmet, faced me dead on his floating hand approached my body and he started to virtually rub my chest she recounts 
Stop, I cried. This goaded him on. And even when I turned away from him, he chased me around making grabbing and pinching motions near my growing and chest. Emboldened, he even shoved his hand towards my virtual crotch and began rubbing at it. There I was being virtually groped in a snowy fortress with my brother-in-law and husband watching. So, you know, like if you if you read that, it the way she's recounting it, it sounds like someone recounting an actual event event you know like this this really happened like i was really groped or really molested in this way and it's it's seen as like a very traumatic event so i guess one of the things that we could talk about is first of all why would somebody look at the virtual world as being more real than this one why would they want to do that yeah yeah and it comes on it comes kind of piggybacks on another question too of like well, what, how do we, do we define reality? Like what is real? Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's been a big question throughout the ages. Right. You know, um, and so, uh, you know, how would you answer that? Yeah. So, yeah, obviously that's the big question asked in the rage, uh, the matrix, right? Yeah. Uh, what is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can see, taste and touch, right. then all you're talking about is electrical impulses interpreted by your brain. So, um, in other words, what, what the matrix is saying is that like, if I only define real by what I perceive to be real, then it's a subjective experience. Right. And so it is possible for someone to craft a reality that, if I'm interpreting it as a real, it makes it real, uh, even to the point of dreams, right? If, if a dream feels real enough, did it really happen? Like, is it is it a real event in my life? Can I be traumatized by a nightmare if it was vivid enough? Yeah. And you almost run into a problem of of uh, if going this kind of subjective way is if someone says, hey, well, I, you know, in my mind, like, uh, for instance, like a mental illness would be considered like you couldn't really say someone's mentally ill, right? Because it's real for them. It's real for them. That's right. You know. So, f as a as a Christian, as a believer, what we believe is that there is an objective reality. Yeah. Right. There is an objective reality created by God. Right. It's defined by God. It's defined by God, and that reality is what is real. So, no matter what I'm interpreting as real, right? Like you said, if I have some sort of a a mental illness, or let's say I take LSD or some sort of a hallucinogenic. The things that I'm seeing and the things that I'm experiencing in that altered state of mind, they seem very real to me, but they're not. It's not real. And if I'm playing a video game or something like that, again, these things feel real to me, but they're not. And everyone could probably have an experience when they were a kid and they were watching a movie and, you know, you, you get taken in by it. You know, you get taken in by the narrative. Maybe you're watching, like, a, a, a movie that got a little scary or, it, it you know, the, the kid is emotionally distraught over something that happens within the movie and they're just crying uncontrollably. Usually what the parent tries to do to assuage their child is to say, like, it's not real. You know, it's make-believe. It's not, it's not real. It's okay. You know, it, it seems real, but it's not. And that's how we would coax people out of it. Now we live in a society where truth and reality are very much subjective. It's kind of whatever you want. Yeah. So in a normal circumstance, someone would talk to this person and be like, okay, granted, maybe it felt real, but it wasn't. It wasn't real. This didn't actually happen. You know, just like when the zombie eats you, 
It's you not really real. Die. You don't really die. You know, right. like your brain doesn't actually even make though, it real. Even though you're on acid yeah. and, and you <laughs> think you lost an arm or two. <laughs> and do- demons are coming at you and, and you the know, floor and, is lava. And, and, yeah. and, you know, and, I've, uh, and me and my wife have been on acid before. And, you know, one of our first dates, you know, um, and it's real. It's going to be good that I tell the story. You'll see why. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it really is true. Like uh, it, in my mind. And in her mind, there was a reality that we were thinking was true. Right. And it had to do with a bloody nose at the time. And 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 we literally were putting cloth on the nose and of her and thinking she, her nose was bleeding. And right. we saw it and, you know, we felt it and it just seemed so real. Right. But... At two in the morning, we looked at her face again, and there was no blood. Right. We looked at the cloth; there was no blood. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it hit our brains <coughs> that, oh my gosh, that wasn't real. That wasn't real. Now we used to call that tripping yeah. back in the day. <laughs> like it wasn't that long ago. We used to say, "Man, that was a trip." Yeah, like you know. And and it's funny how because subjective philosophy has become dominant mm. over the past 70 years in in the country in the university right. that you have generation upon generation that has been taught subjectivity through different philosophical world views mm. that it's become a constant in um things that is, are watched as kids get older things that they uh, view on uh, internet um, like like what I like to call is like internet philosophy right <laughs> you know like right. YouTube you know where they're getting a philosophy but they don't know it right you know um, but it's all subjectivity right so they tend to they tend to not see things very well right. like as far as like instead of just saying oh I was tripping right <laughs> you know like uh Gamer four oh three two yeah. nine, you know, <laughs> was trying to grope me and and you know virtually, yeah, you know, and it was probably just some ten year old laughing, in, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> laughing in, just, his, in his room, thinking <laughs> right. it's the funniest thing ever, right? Just you t- know, totally busting up. But instead of maybe seeing the distinction and just right. just saying, hey, that was that was more like a trip, but it wasn't real, right? You know, <laughs> right? It's like there's no one in the room where I'm at right now. And that's an interesting uh, shift even in psychology. So part of what psychology was designed to do originally was to try to help people be grounded in reality. So in other words, they were helping people, let's say, that had traumas in their past. And because they have traumas in their past, they're constantly stuck in the past. You know, they can't get over the past. They're always reliving it. They're always bringing their past baggage into their current relationships. And so the counselor's trying to help them work through that stuff so that they could be present, so they could stop living in the past. Or if someone had a mental disorder, once again, it's trying to help them organize their thoughts and process things properly and to distrust some of the ways that their brain is functioning. Now it's gone into validation therapy. Right. So it's just like I, I, I don't I'm not here to correct your view. I'm here to validate your view and hope that that's enough to make you to help you cope with your reality. So instead of me saying like, hey, that's that's wrong, like you, <laughs> like looking at you and, and Sylvia and your reaction and being like, yeah, you guys were tripping instead saying like, 
wow, well, how did that make you feel, Bo? Like, you know, seeing your wife bleed like that, you know, like, wow, you know, you're really brave to like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, I'm like validating your false experience, you right. know, and that's how I'm trying to help you as opposed to just saying like, no, it didn't really happen. You know, like you guys were, you guys were on a pretty massive trip and you need to come back to reality. Uh, and this is also, by the way, why anxiety, one of the reasons why anxiety is so high in our culture Anxiety is usually detailed by people who cannot be present. So you're either always focusing on worries of the past or you're focusing on worries of the future, but you're not connecting with your present moment. You're not able to be present in your mindset and therefore you're disconnected from reality. And for someone like me, I actually have the opposite problem where I'm so present that I tend not to worry enough about the future. I tend to be a little incautious, as you know, as my boss, you know, and not plan <laughs> things out very well. And uh, I also tend to not be able to connect very well with memories. So I'm, I'm ultra present. And that means that I don't really get stressed out. Like I very rarely feel the emotion of anxiety, which is nice, but there's also some setbacks. But if you hang out with someone who has anxiety problems, you realize that they're almost never present. They're almost never able to connect with the now. They're always in the past. They're always in the future. They're never really present in the moment. And what social media and what this virtual world has done is it's allowed people to never really be present in the now. It's ne they're never really right now. You know, they're they're in their they're on their phones. They're talking to this person over here, that person over there. They're Googling this on on this end. They're watching this YouTube. They're listening to this podcast, but they're never just present with what's happening right now. Hmm. You know, they're never able to just connect with their present moment and that inability to be able to connect with the reality of their world or the present moment of their life has made them completely disconnected and therefore there's no anchor to help them when they become anxious, mm. right? I, I, again, I hope that that helps people a little bit <laughs> when you're understanding this present state of like, again, why can't people be happy with reality? You know, why isn't reality enough? Why do they have to go outside of themselves? And why is it so hard to connect with your children sometimes? You know, why is it so hard to to see them be present to for them to just put their phone down and just have a conversation with you you know yeah yeah uh, it makes me think that first of all reality is is not all that it's cracked up to be right and you know maybe that biblical truth of thorns and thistles mm. a world of a fallen world you know is is ever present and and the burden of it is ever present as well mm. and maybe you know maybe you know the youth today really are drug addicts you know and they're not much different than the generation x culture right you know where we took drugs to escape from a world that was filled with decay and distrust and coercion um, and we did not know we did not like it that's what we knew uh, as kids you don't like it uh, you see a lot of failure in life and in general just around um, and uh, you want to escape and it seems like many 
uh, people today have found, in a, in a sense, something Huey Lewis in the news saying so year, so many years <laughs> ago. And I wasn't a great fan of theirs, but they sang <laughs> a, a quite a popular song called "I Want a New Drug." Right. And 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 even they, you know, understood that if there was only something that people could escape to, right, that would keep them somewhat safe and acceptable in the society right uh it it would be best and um and certainly people have found that in the gaming culture right and the this virtual world you know of role-playing games and it's kind of crazy because as you know i'm i just finished brave new world yeah and i'm um it's such a good book yeah. anyone listening read. please read it please <laughs> read it. please if you haven't read it before put that on the top of your priority list it's so good it's amazing how many yeah. young progressives call that call themselves progressives these people that are really the they really are the uh, light-skinned hegemony right <laughs> and, and and but they think they're like right. not you know they think they're, they're the pro- rebellion they're yeah. the progressive <laughs> rebellious <laughs> people at least gen x really was <laughs> was rebelling. <laughs> yes, totally. At least we took drugs, At least man. you did something against the <laughs> At least the we took drugs order. and had sex yeah. and did stuff. You know, these people don't do nothing. There really was the man. <laughs> there true. really was a rebellion. <laughs> I know. We at least had punk music. Yeah. And, you know, these people still listen to... I mean, these people today, you're like, what kind of music are you listening to? And at least the punk music really was hated by the authorities. That's right. Like, That's right. We, uh, You know, back in, back in Generation X, growing up days, people did lawsuits against <laughs> Our, our our music <laughs> now know? the now the bands are just promoting whatever talking point of the Th- top that's politicians r- that's right i know it's so sad it's <laughs> like it's like facebook has its own music right. genre like <laughs> people it's just a trip like all the musicians are just echoing everything that the established order is saying yeah so now so what was funny. i going to say i was going to say but, if yeah. you talk to one of these gen or yeah, one of these progressive, progressive these so-called progressives yeah, yeah. and and you you talk to them about, I was going to say, if you talk to them about, uh, and I forgot exactly what I was going to say, but I was going to say, if you asked them a question about this, um, I'm trying to think what it exactly was now. You're talking I, about Brave New World. Yeah, yeah. I was saying if you go up to them and ask them about Brave New World, it's amazing how many of them <laughs> go, I never even heard of it. Right. And I'm like, wait, time out. <laughs> like, time out. <laughs> like, you're progressive. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and you did not, you've never read Brave New World and you're like 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, you know, like there is, there is a quote real quick uh, by the, the main kind of a villain. I guess he's like the main antagonist of the story, Mustafa Mond, who runs the Brave New World. He's the controller of Europe. And uh, they're as he's asking him a question like, man, why do you why do you guys go to these crappy movies? Because he goes to this movie and it just has no depth. All it is is like helicopter chases and love scenes, which sounds a lot like the movies that <laughs> are popular today. But anyway, he's like, why why don't you guys read Othello? Why don't you read you know like the 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 Merchant of Venice? You know, he's quoting all the Shakespeare, and he's like, well, the main reason is because it's old. <laughs> he's like that's the main that's the prime reason why we don't like it is because it's old he's like but it's beautiful and he's like that's especially why we have to outlaw it because we don't want anything old and if it's old and it's good we have to discourage people from looking at it we only want new <laughs> and so like that's why people don't read a brave new world because it's old Bo. <laughs> but anyway they uh, only want the new they only want the new but anyway like in a brave new world he makes this really interesting point 
where in this new society that we've created, that uh, science has created, he says back in the day, like so back in the day that Aldous Huxley was actually writing this book, he said the main thing that people feared was solitude, isolation, and being ostracized from their community. And he says now nobody is ever alone, right? And and they created a society where people weren't alone in the sense that everyone's just having sex all the time and they're all just like together in yeah, these physically together. Like physically together. But nowadays we can reinterpret that sentence where it's like you're never alone. Like think about that for a second. You're never alone. You always have something in your pocket that connects you to everybody. Yeah. And they're always, you know, your phone rings every single time someone in your life is doing something. You're never alone. And one of the the negatives that he presents of never having this time of isolation is if you're never able to just sit alone in solitude and work through your own emotions, then you're never able to examine your own life, examine the way that you live, the way that you behave. And John the Savage is pressing Mustafa Mann on this. He's like, well, if you're never alone, then you, how can you cultivate courage? How do you cultivate virtue and self-control? And Mustafa Mann laughs and he says, we don't need those things anymore. Right. He's like, what use do you have of courage when life is so easy? And he's like, and whenever you need to do something courageous, like telling the truth or, or being honest with a friend or forgiving, you just pop a Soma tablet, which is like their drug, and you can have all the courage you want, you know? Yeah. And wh why do you need to, to have self-control? Now you can have whatever you want. And it's almost like Soma is the internet. You know, like yeah. if you want to have relationships, you could have relationships with whoever you want. If you want to have something sexual happen, you could have sex, uh, virtual, virtual sexual encounters with whoever you want. You can yeah. go to webcam models. You can communicate with them. You can give them money. Yeah, you, you don't can, even need real webcam that's models. Right. I mean, right now, I think one of the big things in pornography is swapping the not only body parts, but the face of the people um, that you're watching. Right. And and it's kind of it, it's a it's a virtual world. Right. Where you get to pick. Create the perfect person. Yeah. And, yeah. and you could swap them out. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, you know, I want this person's face on it. I want that person's face right. or I want this body part or that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and you're right. I mean, there is all that that taking place. And now people are going to go, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, this world's crazy. But I, I want people to, to think about something, too. And that is. Haven't we created this? Right. Like. This didn't come out of thin air. Right. This right. didn't come out of thin air. This is something. Um, this wasn't done to us. It's not like the Matrix where, right. <laughs> where the machines took the over. The machines took over the world. <laughs> you know, it's, we made it. Right. Human beings. Uh, bought it. Have, have, have done it. You That's know. right. And, and it's interesting because uh, it, it definitely uh, is, a, is a reaction um, in in a couple ways. First of all, let me let me try to clear my mind here, but when a society does not know how to deal with sexual relationships mm. in the real world, right? Quote unquote, right? In the quote unquote <laughs> yeah, real yeah. world, real people touching real flesh, right. bodies, then there and and you have technology, the asterisk right. technology that that creates virtual reality. Then, obviously, there's a 
in a sense, a, a second opportunity. Right. You know, now put it this way. Virtual reality, would you rather have people have sex with one another in the real world? People didn't like that too much in the 60s. Right. You know, me, meaning you didn't like it when people just hitchhiked around the country. Uh, and if you're too old or too young to n understand what was going on, you had people literally hitchhiking across the country, you know, 15-year-old girls mm. that literally would hop into a van, have sex with dudes, and not think anything of it. Right. And, I mean, it was super common right. for people to go to a club and then go and have crazy sex right. all night. And Now, this wasn't happening everywhere in the country, but certainly it was happening in a pretty uh, massive way comparative to what was happening in the 50s. Where it wouldn't be hard to find an environment like that. That's right. right. And, and so, you know, I, I always ask, like to ask the question, like, do you th do you like that? Was that better? Was that good? Right. You know, people go, no, that's <laughs> horrible. That's yeah. horrible. And and think of all of the criticism, right, of the sexual revolution, right, that has gone on. All the books that have been written, all the the attacks, whether it's you know uh, feminism attacks on sex and different other people's religious people's attack on sex, and I mean, there's been a lot of attack on sex in right. general. Um, whether within the church, without the church, uh, it, it, there's enough of it to go around. <clears throat> well, <laughs> would you rather people have sex with whom they want virtually? Right. You know, is that a better world? No risk of STDs, unplanned pregnancy. Nothing. Right. You know, n nothing like that at all. Right. You know. I, I think there's this great quote. Uh, it's like in... In democracy and capitalism, you get what you want, good and hard. Yeah, and in the massive amounts. In massive amounts, man. Yeah. You're going to get it, you know, yeah. and it is what you want. And what I find is, like, what's going to happen in virtual reality when it comes to sexual behavior is just going to be what happens in real life. Right. It, it, it will be a mimicking of it. Right. Um, but because there is people that realize it's not real. Right. People will feel a freedom, mm -hmm. you know, to 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 go, you know, do whatever, you know, to to even go more. Right. To grope. Right. It, you know, which th that that person would never grope someone in real, in life, real yeah. life. Right. You know, but now that it's virtual. Right. You know, they go, oh, yeah, this is cool. And and that that was kind of the fear that a lot of people had when pornography first started to take off, where they're like, well, if people are doing it in this world, they will do it in the real world, and maybe there was an argument for that a long time. If ago. they were doing it, say, be be more clear. Right. Yeah. So if I'm viewing pornography where people are being, you know, sex trafficked or abused, oh. it's like, well, if you're watching it, then you're going to do it. Right. And you're that may have been kind of an argument. 20, 30 years ago. Now it's been basically disproven that that's not how people work. But nowadays, I don't think it's an argument at all where it's like, no, what's happening is they're doing it there so that they can live in society, right? So in other words, they are expressing that kind of dark part of their personality in the virtual world so that they can live in the real world without repercussions. Yeah. And, you know, again, Brave New World, there's this great moment where Mustafa Mani's talking to the savage 
And the savage is like, what about aggression and anger and violence? And he's like looking at it as kind of like a good thing of showing your ability to be brave and all that stuff. And he's like, well, you know, we force, we now force people, we lock them in, in boxes basically. And we run through their system, intense adrenaline. And he's like, it's the, it's the equivalent of being murdered. Like, it's like the equivalent of being murdered. He's like, and he said, it's all the thrill of being strangled to death with none of the messy consequences. <laughs> and so his point is that people do need outlets like that. But if you can't do it in the real world, well, where do you do it? You do it in these isolated things where it's simulated. Yeah. So they simulate it for people and then they can go and live their life. And that's, again, that's kind of what's happening where people are simulating this kind of stuff. Yeah, it kind of helps. You know, we all do things to deal with cognitive dissonance in our right. life. And, and that's true. Right. You know, many people uh, don't uh, want to look at their lives very clearly. Um, uh, and so uh, because the cognitive dissonance is so great, they become very uh, um, uh, unbalanced. Right. You know, and uh, uh, definitely stressed out and have some real negative behavioral issues. Um, and uh, a lot of Christians do this through avoidance, meaning, meaning, meaning instead of uh, maybe confronting something in their life or looking at uh, or confessing sins in their life or things like that, they'd rather live in a fairy tale where they think they're doing great right. and then to deal with the cognitive dissonance of knowing that they're not uh, really uh, being good Christians, right? you know? And uh, and to be a good Christian, if you have to be like Jesus, that would be your comparison to be like Christ. And there's a cognitive dissonance there right. uh, for every Christian. And if you're not able to deal with that cognitive dissonance well, then um, you're going to go into different areas. You might go into extreme depression or you might do the opposite and go into extreme pride. Right. And uh, I do think that people you know, deal with cognitive dissonance in the gaming world right. too. You know, they're working through that as well. That's right. Where it's like, if I, if I see myself as like, again, like a brave person or a heroic person, but I have no way to demonstrate that in the real world where I could play a game where I'm embodying that kind of behavior, right? right? Where I'm, where I am behaving in the role of a hero of someone who is brave and bold and, and, you know, does what is right no matter what. It's not real, but it's real enough to make me feel that same catharsis, to make me feel like a good person. Right. You know, and so it's it's weird where the Internet, because some people might be listening to this and say, like, well, I, I see both. I see people who try to live in a false reality of virtue on the Internet, meaning they're trying to be more virtuous online than they are in real per in real person right so in other words they're they're nicer and more gentle and more affirming and they're talking about you know yeah they're charity. friendly they're friendly. they're friendly yeah like and then you meet them in person and they're a jerk and right. you're like well yeah, right. you know they're like they're doing the opposite but then on the other hand there are people who are you know they're like evil and malicious and angry and vile online but then you meet them in person and they're really nice and what Bo's talking about with the cognitive dissonance is the idea of, again, there's a way that they want to be and there's a way that they are. There's a dissonance there that, that, they're, that they're not wanting to look at. And the virtual world enables, gives them an outlet to be able to express these things. It, it gives them an outlet to express virtue as well as vice. And I, I've never watched this show and, and I don't think I can 
really endorse it. <laughs> but uh, uh, Westworld, I don't know if you watched it. Uh, well, the Westworld came out in the 70s. I mean, the new one. Um, um, okay. So in yep. the new one, it's kind of similar where they've created AI robots. Yeah, I love the 70s one. I mean... Is it, is it the same premise in the 70s? Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of these rich people create a world right. and it's uh, and people vacation there. Right. And, um, and it's fake. It's populated with... With robots. robots, right? So they're not real. Yeah, but the robots go astray. Right. And so the robots are self-conscious, and, and then there's that question of, like, you know, is this right or wrong? But the whole point is you could go to this place and do whatever you want with impunity. Right. Because you're not doing it to people. Yeah, and people would go to the west, <coughs> the western part of the world, and there would be a brothel, and right. you could pick up girls. So you could have sex with pick prostitutes. Pick up guys. You could do you whatever. You could murder. You, you could torture. Yeah. Or, you know, some people would go there and they would be heroic. Right. They would, they would, you know, be, be the, the sheriff. They would be the hero. Yeah. But it's all fake. And, I, again, I think that's really fascinating because we do have a West world. You know, we do have a place where you could do it. And, you know, there there are these shows that me, me and Emma really like this show. It's Catfish. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not seen that one. It's really fascinating. It's kind of disheartening. I always encourage young people to watch it because it's like it, it's about online relationships. And, you know, nine times out of ten, you know, when they get these people together, it's the both people are lying to one another. You know, it's all deception. It's all manipulation. But you see people online where they have multiple profiles. So, in other words, they have one real one who they really are. But then they have one's where they can, you know, trolling accounts, basically accounts that they set up where they could just be as vile and disgusting as they want without any consequence because no one who knows who they are. It's completely anonymous. But then they also set up ones where they can flirt or they could, again, present an image of themselves that they really aren't, you know, a life that they're really not living. And all of these outlets give them a feeling. And again, it's all to this person. All of it's real, right? It's all real. So again, as a parent, if you look at your kid and say, well, it's not real, you know, to them it is, right? To them that is reality, you know? Yeah. And that world has become, they've invested more time in it. People actually make a living in this virtual world. Like it, it's become real. Yeah, and, and, and this is something that, uh, you know, a lot of people used to say, oh, pornography is not real. And that's always a bit, that always was like a big argument too. Right. You know, pornography is not real. And I'd always say, well, I, I think it's real. Right. <laughs> like think, that's the scary thing. Yeah. If it wasn't real, I probably would not have as big a problem with it as yeah. I do. Yeah. If what you mean is that what's being portrayed is immoral. Yeah. Or what's being portrayed is disturbing to me. Yeah. That's one thing. But it's real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's and we're seeing just how I think uh, real it all is, um, you know, and, um, uh, you know, when people go into a virtual world and, and people virtually grope, um, um, it, it's real in a sense that people's emotions are impacted. Right. And that's real. Right. Like your emotions are impacted by what happens in a virtual world. Right. You know, and if someone were to, uh, you know, kill you in a virtual world, you might have a little bit of that brave new world kind of adrenaline. Right. You know, of like, whoa, right. like I fell off the cliff or something, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, or something like that. And, and that might be uh, something, you know, um, you know, that, that really is, 
it, it's really creating, like you say, the 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 adrenaline and the different things going on in the right, body. Right. And I totally get what you're saying is is like parents need to kind of wake up a lot right. to these things that are going on in their kids' lives. Right. And um and not just be like, oh, that's that's you know whatever that's a game or that kind of thing they have to i think parents need to realize that there's a a lot going on right um in in this virtual world that they're living in and and that's that's kind of like uh, another interesting point where i remember we would do the um we would with uh lisa hansen and sold them more we would go into schools and we would talk about porn and, and a lot of the presentation you know was was things that were kind of the genuine you know like hey the general like hey porn is bad stuff yeah. like that and i know you and i kind of went on a little off script on those yeah but one of the things that i would usually point out when i would do the presentation is that like your body your mind is naturally created it's designed by god and, and someone put it this way to me and I, I really like it he said the mind is the perfect balance between the biological and the spiritual it is that bridge for the gap you know, it links your brain and your body together. It is that bridge and it's very important. And because it links the spiritual and the real, like the actual biological material nature of reality, because it links it, it can be tricked. And because it's so powerful, if it's tricked, it can manifest real consequences into you. Right. And that's one of the things of the matrix where they would get killed in the matrix and they would or they would get hurt in the matrix and they would wake up in pain. Right. Because their mind actually would trick their body into thinking that they were in pain, just like this person really felt violated. She really felt like she her body was violated, even though that didn't happen. Her body wasn't touched. Right. But she felt like it was. And when you watch pornography, you know, just like when you have sex, God has designed our minds in really incredible and amazing ways. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that he created us, and this is true, when you have an orgasm, whatever is causing it, right, whatever is causing that elation, that desire, that passion, God has designed us that when it happens, it actually creates chemicals of bonding mm -hmm. between you and that thing. So if you're having sex with your spouse, for instance, and again, anyone who's been married for a while will tell you this, that when you have intimacy with your spouse, especially if it's a fun time, like if your sex life sucks, it's, it's not true. Right. But if you have a fun sex life, mm -hmm. that is a time of bonding. That's why we call it intimacy. That's it's right. not just like we're already close and that's why we have sex, but it's kind of circular where it's like when we have sex, we actually feel closer, right? right? it actually does something to you biologically. It's really cool. Yeah, it's like sometimes it's just like the idea of like, uh, it, it, I love how you said that because sometimes you can kiss someone and just through kissing them, then you become sexual. Right. You know, then you desire even, then that's what gets the, the, the body kind of engaged. That's right. So then know? the body's sending signals of like, oh, it's like go time, you know? Yeah. And what pornography does is it tricks the mind into thinking that something real is happening so again in that person's body like biologically chemically it's real for them they right. are experiencing something sexual with this other person and the problem is, is that all these chemicals are being dumped and and precluding them from moving into a form of intimacy with someone that they don't have a real life connection with 
Mm-hmm. And again, this goes back to a brave new world where he talks about how he, they discourage people in this utopia, quote unquote, that they created from ever forming connections or bonds because he says passion creates decision making of free will and autonomy. And we can't have that to have a perfect world. Yeah. So in in other words, if you're doing this enough, it's actually it's not that I'm falling in love with my computer Mm-hmm. But it's actually discouraging me from having real life connections, period. Meaning if if that becomes my reality, mm-hmm. right, if it becomes my reality, then it will. And here's the difference. What fiction does, and there's a really important role that fiction has in a person's life, and this is for the Christian and the non-Christian, is what the fi- what fiction does is it gives the mind a framework to understand its own inner workings Mm -hmm. so in other words we have inner workings that are going on our emotions are very complex and they're difficult to understand and sometimes when we look at things in a fictional world it helps us it gives us a framework a false framework to work through some things in our own life right right so sometimes you could watch a movie and you could just be bawling at the end of it and even though it's all fake and you know it it's connecting you to something in your real life right Right. so in other words the fiction Mm -hmm provides a framework for reality. That's how it's always worked throughout human history. But now you have to understand it's being flipped where the reality is now a framework for the fiction, where the fiction's becoming the more real world. So it's possible, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, where you have struggled with viewing pornography because again, the fiction is something that's framing your real world. So you have a real intimacy with your spouse and now when you're watching porn, you're you're not like you're not being connected to that person. Mm-hmm. You're actually connecting with your spouse through that fictional world. It doesn't make it right, but it does make it so that you would never watch porn and be like, oh, you know, I don't I have no more connection to my wife. I, I wish she looked like that. I wish, she, you know, your yeah. reality is already fit. It's already set. The ground is already laid. Yeah, that is not changing your reality. It's just helping you experience your reality actually a little bit more just in an inappropriate way now what's happening though is if my reality is not very firm and i'm engaging with the fiction the fiction does become more real than my reality and i get lost in it and i think this happens to everybody right i mean even to those that take away the pornography side of it i think this happens to a lot of people where the fiction takes over the reality right like in our minds right like you know where people live like say in a nice area and they live with you know wealthy people right right and there's a a fiction that takes precedent now over the reality right a way that we want the world to be yeah the way we look we see the world the way that we um, perceive everything the way we perceive ourselves mm. and the, and and that fiction is really becomes dominant because that's the only way we can deal with the cognitive dissonance right. of our failure right you know and and that might be a bleak outlook right. <laughs> <laughs> you know because what I'm saying is that you might think you got it together right but the only reason you think you got it together is because you've developed over time a fictional world. Mm. That's based on reality, like it's based in a reality. But now the fiction, your 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 mind has created a fictional world. Right. That's that's takes some of the reality of your world, and it's developed into all kinds of things. That's right. And 
and so and now that's the way you see the world that's and, right and that's the way you look at everything that's right and you can't quite empathize with these people or you can't sympathize with these people because they're not in your fictional world <laughs> that's you right you know what i mean so you push them away you push to preserve away. the fiction you push away the reality that's right and that's that's maybe what we're always doing and i think we are with god you know i think we are cuz here's the thing reality devoid of the gospel is unthinkable reality devoid of the gospel really is unthinkable right and that's it yeah, is that's right. it is way too harsh a reality to live in yeah if you take the the biblical if you look at the uh, an objective reality meaning god has defined the reality right and the bible is a revelation of that reality right you're right it is way too awful to live in this world it is way too terrible to live in this world devoid of god and so because of that I think that that's what mankind has always done. They've always propped up the fiction to be able to help them understand their real world, but they don't actually want reality because it's too cold, it's too harsh, it's too unmerciful, and so they can't. They have to develop something that's not true. And this might be what the Antichrist and the false beast are all about, the false image. It might be humans have created their fiction. You know, fiction has become such the norm. Right that that it is it is now in a sense their ultimate reality that's right you know that's right um, and it's easy to deceive someone who's already deceiving themselves yes right. that's right and so but you know we all do that right and you know we all create our own matrix that's right you know in in many ways and that's why you jesus know, you know one of his statements is yeah in all ways you're right yeah and that's why jesus's statement in john 8 is so powerful you know and i don't think people look at it because all they look at is the truth will set you free part they're like oh man i'm free wait, wait look at what he's saying right he's looking at these pharisees and he's like you're in a fictional world it's like you think you're free you think you're free you yeah. think that you're liberal you think you do what you want and that you're honoring to god and that he's pleased with you and you're children of abraham you think that so dude if you sin you're a slave to sin he's like you're in bondage and you don't even see it you're blind to your chains says, if you knew the truth, the truth would set you free. And this is what's so incredible what Jesus is saying. Because the truth he's presenting them with seems really harsh. He's like, what, what's the reality he's trying to get them to see? You're in bondage. You're, you're broken. You're evil. You're, you're sons of the devil. That's yeah, what he's trying to get them to see. Yeah, there's, there's literally no hope. There's no hope, right? That's the reality he's getting them to see. But he's like, but the truth will set you free. Why? Because only when you accept the reality of how dark and evil you really are and how fallen and irredeemable the world really is, can you accept the reality of a savior? That's the only way. And once you accept the first part, which is bleak and terrible, the second part becomes incredibly beautiful because the savior is real. He is true. And in our modern day world, when people say like, well, you know, Jesus, he's, he's true for me. He's real for me. A Messiah that's only real for you and not real indeed, like absolutely real, is not a Messiah that can save you, right? Yeah. And when you accept all of Jesus, and, and that's what we see happening throughout the Gospels and throughout the Bible, by the way, people are just bucking. Even people who know God are constantly bucking against the reality he's trying to show them. Yeah. He's always trying to push them and be like, you are far more wicked than you'd ever think you could be. Believe me, you are. But on the other side of the coin, 
you are also far more loved than you could ever hope. And that's why that really famous Pascal quote, how's it go? Where he's like, God is a, a, Jesus is a God that you can approach without shame and without arrogance, right? Something like that. Yeah, I'm trying, I I don't remember that one. Yeah, it's something to that effect. It's, uh, it's Jesus is the only God that you could approach without shame and also without arrogance. Hmm. Because in his presence, your arrogance is destroyed when you see how holy he is and how unholy you are. But also, all your shame is destroyed when you see how loved you are and how accepted you are. So he does both simultaneously. So, like, if we want people, you know, and this is the the hard thing. You know, you might want your kids to get out of this fake world, this fiction. But first of all, question yourself, do I live in a fiction? Have I established a fiction in my life? Am I secretly living out various sinful behaviors in a in a way that no one can see and i'm living out my fiction and i'm not willing to see who i really am and who i'm becoming and i'm not ready to deal with my issues yeah and even even on a more more subtle idea is that are you willing to understand total depravity right and that that whether you think whether you're cognitive of the fiction in your life uh, you've made it one up. That's right. And are you willing even to think that? Right. You know, that there is a, a fictional world that you've created even in your mind. Because some people I could see would say, well, no, dude. Like, I haven't created a fictional life. Like, right. I, you know, da 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 <laughs> You know? And, and again, we hold fast to this idea that we do got it together. Right. You know, when the Bible tells us that, that no, there's no, no one good, no, not one. Right. Each have gone our own way. Right. And um, and that God's revelation is just that. It is a revelation of reality. Right. And if it's a revelation of reality, then obviously there's something that's not a reality that needs to be corrected. That's right. And that's what everything is about, biblically speaking. It's always corrective of the non-reality that we're looking at. Mm. And how much reality do I think I really have together? How much do I really think I know? Mm. You know, why do you read news? Why do you, why do you read articles? Right. It's to try to gain an understanding of what is real. Right. That's what you're trying to do. Right. right? Well, how, what percentage do you really think you have <laughs> of what is real right. that could be known of what is real? Right. So let's face it, you know, um, you know I, I could sit here and go, you know what, I've talked to Peter about Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and I've heard him talk about it himself. I think I got a pretty good reality of what it's like there, (laughs) you know, but Peter might say, Bo, you really have no real (laughs) clue (laughs) of really what it's like there. You know, I, you know, I might just because I've read Peter's, you know, stuff on what it's like, you know, again, I do it to get an understanding because I'm trying to find out what is real, but really I don't, know what is real unless I'm there right. experiencing at the moment, right. you know, what is real. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, you know, to me, it's like if you're reading it at all and you're watching news at all, you've already, uh, admitted to the, 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 the lack that you have. Right. You know, right. That's why you're doing it. And it's and you got to remember that whatever reality that you're gaining is filtered through your mind. And so, again, if you are if you could trust your mind 100 percent, 
meaning if your mind was perfect <laughs> right. and it really was interpreting everything exactly correct, then yeah, sure. You know, then you can have a pretty good firm foundation for what you believe, why you believe it and feel like you're you're living authentically in the real world. But if you even have the slightest doubt on the way that your brain is interpreting stuff, <laughs> right. then you realize like even if you're presented with 100% perfect reality, your mind might be distorting what it's seeing, you know? Yeah. And that's the scary thing. And again, that was the challenge of Jesus, a terrifying challenge, right? You think you're free. That was what he was saying. Yeah. He's like, you think you're free. You really believe it, but you're not, right? You're right. Jesus is saying, I'm the only one who sees reality. Yeah. That's it. Which is so radical. If Jesus came back today and said to the, sat in the church and said, man, you guys are enslaved. Right. We would be like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm free, man. I see it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, I think what we always have to remember is that when the Savior says, hey, you're in bondage, we need to go, you know what, his reality's uh, the right reality. Right. You know, and the answer is yes. Yeah. You're right. You know. And we, even Jesus said, he's like, dude, you're not ready for reality. Like yeah. To his apostles. Right. He's like, there's so much more I want to say to you, <laughs> but you can't take it right now, man. Like he's that that's literally what he says before he takes off where his disciples are like, dude, we're ready. Man, you know, we're ready like, you ain't church. ready. He's like, you're not ready. So, yeah. you know, as, as Christians, that's another humility thing where yeah. when we pray to God, we're like, God, I want you to show me reality. I want you to show me the truth. So we're recognizing I don't actually see things correctly mm -hmm. and God does. But secondly, I realize there are truths that I'm not ready to receive. So am I patient and humble enough to allow God to reveal things to me in his time yeah. and to accept those things as he reveals them? You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what a great podcast, interesting podcast, a lot of really neat things. Uh, virtual world is a reality. It's some, it has some reality in it. That's it's right. not, it's not a reality um, as we define uh, the real world. But it, it does it does affect the real world. That's right. A virtual world does affect the real world because your mind is still experiencing those things. Yeah, and and uh, these are things to think about, you know, for sure. Um, you know, will sexual relationships, um, you know, continue to be dominant in a virtual world? You know, I I will say this: I don't think so. Right. Uh, and and the only reason why is because I don't think you can get away from the human a desire to ha have progeny. Right. And uh, I don't think you can, and, and until that becomes something super cool in the, in the real virtual world right. of people going, man, we got our family and we, and, and that'll happen at some point, right. but uh, maybe not in my lifetime. Right. But uh, um, you know, I, I think it, I think some people will find a virtual family, you know, cool. But I think uh, on the whole, still most people want to, you know, want to experience a real world type yeah. of family there will experience. There always be people who do that. You know, again, it's like one of the last lines in the Brave New World where the savage is like, well, I don't want your easy world. I want reality. And he says, so you're claiming the right to be unhappy. Yep. And he says, I claim that right. Yeah. <laughs> That's like so cool where, again, you, you know, if you only live in the virtual world, then you're right. You have a life free of unhappiness. Yeah. You can make it whatever you want. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, you can void the world of pain. Right. And you might want a world that is devoid of any hardship and suffering. That's right. But what you're asking for 
is a world too without any courage, right. without any hope, without any love, without any love, ambition. Um, that's what you're asking for, that's right? You know, well, we sacrifice all those great things on the altar of happiness. Yeah. Right? So, woo! Hey, you guys, have a great one. Take care. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.